Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Praying in the Spirit. This is part one of that series, Learning to Pray in the Spirit, and this is lesson number eight of part one. And uh, in this uh, particular lesson, we're going to examine one very powerful verse and its context, and, and really look at what the Lord is saying to us there. There are, there are some principles that the, the Lord will com, just cram into one verse, and then the elements of that, the, that principle, he scatters it out into other verses. Those verses are confirmation that what I'm seeing in that one verse is God. Now, uh, this particular verse I want to talk to you about today is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And uh, if you know your Bible, you know that Ephesians chapter 6, especially verses 10 through verse 20, is especially talking about the active uh, part of that the church is supposed to pray, play, pray also in the, uh, the conflict between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, the Lord's kingdom. And the Lord foretold that conflict from the very beginning, actually foretold that conflict all the way back in Genesis 3 when he told the woman at the well, uh, not the woman at the well, when he told Eve, the original woman at the well, I guess, uh, that he, or maybe he told Satan, I don't remember right now, obviously, uh, that your seed, that's it, he told Satan, the, the serpent, your seed will bruise the woman's serp- the woman's seed's heel, but the woman's seed will bruise your seed's head. So there was a conflict before they were ever put out of the garden. The conflict was established, and that conflict will go on until finally uh, uh, Satan is cast into the lake of fire. That's how long that conflict has and will go on. It will not be completely settled until Satan and every fallen uh, spirit is cast forever into the lake of fire. That conflict is ongoing. And any person who claims to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ that ignores that conflict on a daily basis does so at their own peril. Jesus' name. And so... Here we are, and I don't want to get too deeply in this lesson because I've got other lessons that will be talking about this in more detail. But when you read from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, all the way down through 20, you will see, first of all, that we're told to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, and that we are rest- we're not wrestling. We don't have humans that are our enemies. No matter what people may do to us, say about us, how they treat us, they're only minions of the adversary. Because we don't, we don't re- struggle. We're not resisting humans. We're resisting the devil. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're wrestling with principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and the uh, wicked spirits in the atmosphere. And then the Lord begins to tell us, how to participate in that and not just survive spiritually, but to be victorious spiritually. And that is that we would put on the specific armor, uh, the spiritual armor he gave us for our participation in that conflict. 
which we should put on every day, knowingly or unknowingly. And there are some days we should pray specifically and put on each one of those things to remind ourselves that we're not doing this within ourselves, we're doing this with him. And so we have peace that is the insulation between us and the earth called shoes. We have a girdle that we all of our weapons hold or, or hang on and is the, uh, the divider between legs and the upper body where not only all our weapons hang on the girdle, but also our garment is tucked up in that, gar- that girdle so we can run and so we can fight. And that was the origin of pants. Uh, is because the, the, the robe, the, the hem of the robe would be pulled up, the back hem of the robe would be pulled up through the front leg and stuck in the girdle, which would then get, get all that extra uh, material out of the way for the soldier that is fighting. And then uh, we are given a breastplate of righteousness to protect all of our vital organs. And we're given a helmet of salvation to protect our, our minds. And then we're given... The shield of faith, the first thing we carry, not wear, and then we, uh, which quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one, all the accusations and intimidations that he tries to throw at us verbally. We don't want them to hit us. We want to stop those in this heavy wooden shield. And then finally, we take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's not logos of God. It is rhema of God, which be- it is the word of the spirit. And that is our offensive weapon. The sword is, o- is one of only two offensive weapons. The other one is verse 18. But technically, verse 18 is the arena in which we confront the adversary wearing the armor of God, carrying the shield of faith, and using our offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, we, Ephesians 6.18 is the arena in which we do that. And this rhema of God is not just rhema or words God gives us to speak from our minds by the Holy Ghost in the language of our minds, but the rhema of God, the sword of the Spirit, is also the voice of the Spirit speaking through us. In Jesus' name. And so, what is the arena for that conflict? What is the battlefield where we fight that battle? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Praying at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit. Uh, let me, uh, I'm sorry. Let me read it in the King James verse, the one you're familiar with. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The Amplified, the classic edition says, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To the end, to that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. Praise God. Now, the Holy Bible easy to read version says this. Pray in the spirit at all times. Pray with all kinds of prayers and ask for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready. Never give up. 
always pray for all of God's people. And then the Bible in basic English says it this way, with prayers and deep desires, making requests at all times in the spirit. And keep watch with strong purpose in prayer for all the saints. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, in the today's New International Version. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And then finally, the New International Reader's Version says, At all times, pray by the power of the Spirit. Pray all kinds of prayers. Be watchful so that you can pray. Always keep on praying for all of God's people. Now, all different kinds of prayers. And pray all of those different kinds of prayers in the Spirit. And don't just pray those some of the time. Pray those at all times. Not all of the times, but at all times. Throughout the day, in every scenario and situation, there is some flow of the Spirit that God wants to pray through you in prayer. Sometimes He will give you English to pray. Sometimes. But hear me right now. If I pray in the, in, in my, the language of my mind most of the time, I'm going to be violating the Scripture if I pray very much. And what is that Scripture? The repetition of words, filling up time in prayer with words that I'm repeating, that I don't really have an unction to say, that I'm not really focused on saying. I'm saying them because I'm supposed to pray and I've got time I need to fill up with prayer. And if I do all that praying in the language of my mind or the great majority of that praying in the language of my mind, I will end up using repetition. And Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, that is vain repetition. And why is that so negative? Because that's the way people pray to idols. Idols don't have any life. And so people, some, some level, know they don't. So they pray to idols with just words. And they give a lot of words and they just say a lot, and so they re- just repeat words over and over and over and over again. And some folks have even taken prayers that we that they call the Lord's Prayer, and, and he never called it the Lord's Prayer. It was the Lord's teaching on prayer for the disciples, according to Luke chapter 11. And they repeat that just over and over again, just say those words over and over and over again. As if somehow it's some kind of magic, mystical incantation that if you repeat those words over and over again. But we Pentecostals are just as guilty, if not worse, than those who pray the uh, our fathers. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Or Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I know for some that's offensive, but I know one that's really offensive too. Not what I'm saying being offensive to you, but what we're saying and those vain repetitions are offensive to God because we who are supposed to believe in the one true and living God are praying to them as if he was a dead, dumb idol. 
And that offends God. And if you're offended with me, I can't help that. Because you've offended God a whole lot more sooner than this. And our persistence in doing that, when he has equipped us to be able to pray meaningful words in prayer as he prays through us in prayer so that we don't ever have to pray vain repetition. And since praying in tongues sometimes is prayer and thanksgiving, I may repeat certain things in prayer in tongues without intending to do so. I've heard myself repeat things on occasion, but it didn't become some mantra that every time I prayed in tongues, I said those same things over and over and over and over and over again, and that's all I did. Now, some people, some people, when they <laughs> they get the Holy Ghost, they say some words in prayer in tongues. And since the only biblical evidence, external evidence that someone has received the Holy Ghost inside is speaking with tongues. That means that that person has received the initial infilling of the Holy Ghost. But the mistake people make is when they pronounce it done. For many, 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 many years here, as long as I can remember, we've never let somebody come to the altar Receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that's the last time we prayed for them. Because we understand that babies need some assistance in learning how to speak. And we don't teach people how to speak in tongues, but we do teach them how to yield. We give them instruction. It's like a midwife that doesn't birth the baby, but gives instructions to the mother on how to make that birth easier for them. Now, a woman could have a baby all by herself with nobody else around. Been doing it for thousands of years. But a midwife makes it a whole lot easier, especially one who is experienced, has seen some things, that knows to recognize certain things that can respond to certain issues that may come up, and somebody that's there to cut the umbilical cord instead of the mother having to do that somehow. So, there, there needs to be this flow of the Holy Ghost when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but it doesn't need to stop at the initial infilling. That's why a person that first received the Holy Ghost may make childlike noises. They're not English or the language of the mind because that baby doesn't have a language of the mind. But there are, but as as that child very quickly begins to learn, it begins to form sounds that become intelligible. I don't have a problem with believing that somebody has received the Holy Ghost if they're making non-sounds of their mind and there is a witness of the Holy Ghost that goes with that. But the danger is if we let that person believe that they have received all they, there is to get and that we don't continue to pray for them until they end up, they end up having a fluency, if you want to call it that, a yieldedness to the spirit in tongues where they can pray in many different flows of the Holy Ghost. We're doing them a great disservice and we're doing the body of Christ a disservice because we just lowered the expectations on what God is willing to give people. And this is very important because a person that never learns to pray in tongues 
has no real ability to participate with the Spirit of God in the conflict against the adversary. Because that's how the flow comes about. So how do we pray all of the different kinds of prayers as we are instructed by the Lord to do? By allowing the Holy Ghost to flow through us in empowered prayer as he chooses. And he directs the language. He chooses the language. And I just repeat what he's giving me to say. I know some people that hear the sounds in their mind and they say them. And others, it's more sensing the sound and saying it. I've been speaking in tongues so much for so long now, I can't really tell you exactly how that happens. It's just that I know that because the Holy Ghost is always there in me, that the ability to yield to the Spirit at any time I need to or He needs me to, to pray in tongues is always there no matter where. Therefore, I've learned to flow in tongues on an airplane. Now, you don't know that. People sitting around me wouldn't know it. But I'm talking in tongues. I'm moving my lips and I'm speaking my whispering so softly that I'm not causing a disturbance on the plane and I'm not attracting attention to myself. But I am praying in in the Spirit. I can pray in the Spirit walking down the mall. Uh, I can pray in the Spirit, ride in the car. And if I'm by myself, I'll pray that out loud and flow, flow it along. And today, <laughs> with all the uh, wireless cell phone, uh, people now don't think I'm crazy. They think I'm just talking on the phone. Well, I am talking in, on a connection with Jesus. Just call prayer. It's not the phone. Right. So I, you you can pray aloud upon your bed, the scriptures say. You can pray at the table. You can pray in your favorite recliner, you can pray walking down the street. Um, sometimes people will recognize what you're doing, and sometimes they will not know because you're able to do that, but you're able to flow. And as I taught in the last lesson and went into great, great detail, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The complete Jewish Bible says, Whoever puts his trust in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his inmost being. Now, this is really important for you to understand. This is so important. How do we flow in the Spirit? And where do we flow? We flow in all kinds of prayers. And we flow in in this spiritual arena where both God is and the adversary is. You can never pray outside of that spiritual arena. Now, the adversary is not omnipresent because he's finite and all of his angels are finite. And I personally believe there are a lot more humans on the earth right now than there are demons. That's my personal conviction uh, or opinion. I'm not making that a doctrine. And uh, I'm very very well made down the road change that opinion. But still, I am in the arena of that. If you've got two armies that come together and they're doing hand-to-hand combat like they used to do and the only kind they did until uh, gunpowder was discovered and there were weapons, except for the archers, uh, they're using swords and they're using 
uh, axes and they're using hammers and they're using spears and daggers and all of that. Well, there is no way if a hundred soldiers gather and another hundred gather that all 100, all 200 will be engaged one, one upon another 100% of the time in that battle. It just doesn't happen. It's no, it's not possible to happen. The same thing like on a football field. You got two teams of 11. And on every play, some of one team come in contact with some on another team. But you never have a situation where all 11 are physically in contact with the uh, the 11 on the other team. Ever. And so it is uh, in the spirit. And so whether you're actually literally involved with warring a uh, principality a, a pow- with the principality or a power or a ruler of darkness or a wicked spirit in the atmosphere you are in that arena all the time so the question is how do i pray in whichever prayer the holy ghost is wanting me to pray in the spirit at this time with perseverance with uh, with determination how do i do that well the Greek word translated flow in John 7, 38 is the Greek word ereo, E-R-E-O. It is the prolonged form of the Greek word R-H-E-O. And R-H-E-O is to speak, and the word is usually, not in every case, but is usually in the scripture used of the, 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 the words of the living voice. And it usually is applied to the Spirit of God speaking to us or through us. And the result of what is spoken is called rhema. The suffix ma on the end of a Greek verb is the result of. So you have the Greek word reo with the suffix ma. Reo is the utterance of the living voice, usually the Spirit of God's voice. And the M-A, which is the result of. So rhema is the word that is spoken by the living voice or the voice of the Spirit of God. But there is a strengthened form of that verb to speak. And uh, it is E-R-E-O in the English equivalent letters. And this one time in all of the scripture, it is translated flow. In other words, when Jesus said that out of your belly and my belly shall flow rivers of living water, the rivers that are going to be flowing are going to be words of the Spirit, which is the living water, speaking through us, from us, in various rivers as according to the will of God. It is... The flow is a, 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 a flow of supernatural utterance and words. Now, sometimes that flow can be in the language of your mind that is empowered. God gives you a word in the spirit to speak or pray. But most of the time, that ereo, that flow of the spirit, is going to be in other tongues. Because how do I know that? Because the whole reference here. In John 7, 37 through 39, 
as John explained in verse 39, is speaking of the coming Holy Ghost that these people had not yet received when Jesus spoke this, and it wasn't even available to them at that moment because Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is confirmed again by the fact that the rivers of living water, Holy Ghost, outflowing from our innermost being are literally supernatural words flowing out of us as the Spirit of the Lord empowers them to be spoken. Acts 2.4, the first time that rivers of living water flowed out of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The rivers of living water are the Spirit of God, uh, are the words of the Spirit of God give, uh, are from the, uh, let me read this again, sorry. The rivers of living water are, the rivers are, the Spirit of God giving utterance to each of the different rivers or flows of the supernaturally supplied and empowered words flowing out of our souls in prayer and praise. So that's what the rivers of living water are. They are supernaturally, it is the flow or the river of supernaturally supplied and empowered words that are flowing out of our souls, our innermost being, in prayer and praise. And again, the word utterance in Acts 2-4 speaks of speaking a specific language. The complete uh, word study dictionary says uh, it's the word to utter, declare, speak, particularly pithy or remarkable sayings. This is the verb used to indicate the discernible utterance of the other tongues in which the Holy Spirit enabled the believers to speak at Pentecost. Acts 2.4 says, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The word utterance is referring to the forming of the sounds of the words. So they were given other tongues or known tongues that they were able to speak. They were not, this is what the Complete Word Study Dictionary says, they were not in coherent babblings resulting from a state of ecstasy. They were deliberate understandable words energized directly by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. So in this arena of the spirit world, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. We don't pray to the world. We pray in the spirit and we pray in the spirit world, whether in the languages of our, of our, of the spirit, of our spirit, or the language of our mind, or we praise or sing with the language of our spirit, or the language of our mind, whichever one that is, it is a supernatural dimension in which the born-again believer exists. That's called the kingdom of God. But in this supernatural dimension, the kingdom of God, our part of that, is at conflict or war with this kingdom of darkness. And God has equipped us with supernatural tools for us to use. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not carnal. They're not human strength and ability, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The question, my friend, my brother, my sister to you today is this. Are you participating with the Holy Ghost? Are you doing the will of God? Have you learned to flow in the Spirit? Can you pray in the Spirit? Can you praise in the Spirit? Can you give thanks in the Spirit? 
Can you minister in prayer in the Spirit? Can the Lord use you in the Spirit to do his will? That's what these lessons are all about. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray this day that God has helped you and will continue to help you to see that it is his will for you to have liberty in the Holy Ghost and that you for you to be able to pray in the Spirit so that you can participate in this arena where we pray at all times, all kinds of prayers, and we pray them in the Spirit and by the Spirit. And we do that with perseverance and focus. And that we don't just pray for the lost, and we don't just pray for the backsliders, but we pray for all the saints of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you can't do that, and I can't do that, but he can do that through us. Lord, grant it that it be so in Jesus' name. It is so.